Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Sports with Yosef. I'm Yosef Messiner, and as of now, coming into the Week 6 Ravens-Bengals game, the Ravens are alone in first place in the AFC North at 3-2. I will analyze the Chiefs, Browns, and Steelers games and then talk about the AFC North as a whole. going to preview the Ravens-Bengals game. And the NFL is a really, really great product, but something is lacking and it is crucial i will talk about that later and this is something that impacts virtually every game whether you know it or not more on that and much much more coming up on sports with yosef ravens starting their season 2-0 a very impressive week one a somewhat more of a subdued week two and then the chiefs for the ravens to beat the chiefs the Ravens were going to have to execute. And one of the things that the Ravens had executed on in the 2018 matchup Ravens-Chiefs, they ran the ball really well. And it, that was just not such a priority Sunday. The Ravens had a chance. They were in the game, and they just couldn't do it. Lamar missed throws. They were missing plays down the field. There were drops. He wasn't really throwing to the wide receivers, which is an issue. If you remember, Joe Flacco would constantly be checking it down. That's not Lamar's issue. He's just not looking for them as much, I think. I think he's looking and then re- quickly reading off of it. There, I believe it's the Ravens have been seeing a lot of cover two since week one, so Hollywood down the field has not been that much of an option. And we all know that Lamar Jackson's outside the pocket. I'm sorry, outside the numbers. Like his capabilities of throwing the ball there still leave much to be desired. The Ravens d- couldn't get the ball to the wide receivers. They could and they couldn't stop the run. And if you talk about what is fundamentally what it fundamentally means to be a Ravens defense, stopping the run is absolutely top on the list. And they just couldn't do it. They weren't able to just flat out. They knew what they were going to run and they couldn't do it. And they couldn't stop the pass either. They gave up over 500 yards. Not what the Ravens want to see. And yet they were still in it. And that's something that Lamar Jackson brings to the table. He keeps the team in football games. It's never. It might not be pretty, but it's going to be there. The Ravens didn't turn the ball over. They missed out some red zone opportunities. And John Harbaugh was incredibly aggressive in the game. Some are saying it's bad. Some people are saying it's good. I'll give you my take soon. A lot of fourth downs, he was going for it. He was going for two-point conversions a lot. He was going for two-point conversions, I think, on like every attempt. And when you're playing a team like the Chiefs, you do need to be aggressive. You do need to go for on fourth down. And honestly, when the Ravens decided one time not to be aggressive, the Chiefs then had a 90-yard drive in like three, four plays. So it's a very tough line. It was tough for John Harbaugh. He was, and he was talking about statistics post-game. I'm not allowed to get that audio here, so if any of you have contacts at the Baltimore Ravens, please, I'd love to get permission to be able to play their audio. John Harbaugh was saying that it's all about statistics. He was following the statistics, and the statistics were suggesting that he do what he did, which was be incredibly aggressive. And the Ravens were throwing up the ball a lot, and some people say that's part of the being aggressive thing. And the, But the Ravens weren't really capitalizing on the throws. And they weren't con- really converting into first downs as much. The offense just wasn't that good for the really first for the first three quarters. They had the first couple of good drives. Something that the Ravens did when they did 
when they had those good drives was running the football. They averaged six yards a carry, and they had like a forty-something yard call, uh, run. They had like a forty-something yard run called back on a bogus call. On, I want to say on Willie Snead. Uh, Gus Edwards had a great run and was called back. So like the Ravens were really running the football, and they weren't. They didn't run it that much. They only ran it like twenty times. And so, my feelings are, you can be aggressive. I think Harbaugh is a little bit too aggressive with the two-point conversions. But come on, I'll give you a statistic, John Harbaugh. Six yards a carry. Run the football. Because that's what worked. And the Ravens weren't doing that. They were leaving Mark Ingram in there. I want to see Gus Edwards more. I do, and I know Greg Roman, in his career, he likes to really have that featured back. But Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are electric. Don't forget about them. You have an opportunity. You have golden guys on your bench. Don't forget about them. Play those guys and see how it works. Because Gus Edwards, I mean, how many times was he tackled behind the line of scrimmage last year? Two? Three times? Tops? It was incredible what he did. And I wish the Ravens would play them more. And then the Ravens played the Browns. And guess what they did? They blew some more coverage. They ignored the passing the wide receivers. They gave up another 500 plus yard game. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. And the Ravens played sloppy football. And I'll be honest with you, it was really it was actually a close ball game in the first half. It's like one score, and then the Ravens would end up losing 40-25. to 25. Chiefs game was close as one score the whole way, or pretty much the whole way. And the Ravens turned the ball over. Mark Ingram fumbled, which halted a, a crucial drive, which the Ravens were really like getting deep in opponent's territory. I think Lamar threw a pick. I don't remember the details about that interception. But the Ravens weren't making plays on offense or on defense. They missed tackles. You can say you got outcoached. You can say you get outplayed, but you don't miss tackles. A one-on-one and two-on-ones, you don't miss tackles. Not if you want to be an, a division champion. Not if you want to go to the playoffs. Not if you want to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You don't miss tackles. And the Ravens miss tackles. And not it was like, they would miss like six tackles on a play, and then they're surprised that the guy's going to the house on 80 yards? Duh! Get used to it. That's what happens when you miss tackles. And the Ravens, I mean, how many any times in the past years? I can give you a couple examples right now. You don't make the playoffs by missing tackles. Tyler Boyd. How did that happen? That was breakdown in coverage. Miss, miss, and the, I think the Ravens had a chance at a tackle and they missed it, if I remember right. The Ravens, when it comes down to the biggest moments of the biggest games... The best teams, they're one-on-one ma- they win their one-on-one matchups. The Ravens couldn't even win their two-on-one matchups. It was ridiculous. The Ravens couldn't make plays. At all. And the Ravens fell to 2-2. Two and two, And the Browns improved to 2-on-2. Two two. It was like, I think, I can't remember the last time the Ravens gave up back-to-back 500-plus-yard games. The, the Ravens were ignoring the wide receivers. I didn't like the amount of times that they were throwing the ball. And the Ravens just didn't play well there were two really there were two good things that happened though and I could be wrong about this but this is my guess 
right, John Harbaugh walks into the facility to uh, after watching the game film on the Chiefs. He's like, and the Browns. He's like, all right, we made some mistakes versus the Browns. Here's a couple stuff we can fix. This is a really, I'm sorry, we made some mistakes against the Chiefs. Here's some stuff we need to fix. We got a really good Browns team coming on. Two guys are not going to beat us. Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to beat us. Miles Garrett's not going to beat us. They didn't. Odell Beckham Jr. Two catches, 20 yards. Miles Garrett didn't have a sack. I don't, he maybe had one or two tackles. He, they, he was shut down. And the thing with Miles Garrett is he moves all over the line, the defensive line. So it is really hard. You can't just have Marshall Yonda take him the whole time. You can't just have Ronnie Stanley. The whole Ravens defense stepped up, and I think they might have been double teaming Garrett for, for a decent part of the game when he was inside. Um, probably when he was on Orlando Brown also. And that's something, by the way, J.J. Watt does also, which makes him a nightmare. You, he, you can't control. Von Miller does that. The best, in my opinion, the best defensive lineman are the guys who can play any position because then they can get the matchup they want. And the, the Ravens shut down Miles Garrett. They shut down Odell Beckham Jr. Jarvis Landry had a field day, 180 yards. And it was just more miscommunication. And miscommunication had been bugging the Ravens for their first four games. They were able to survive it in the Cardinals game. Their offense exploded there. In the Chiefs, I'm sorry, in the Cardinals game, they it almost cost them the game. It cost. I'm not saying that's what cost them the Chiefs game. I'm not saying that's what cost them the Browns game. But it was definitely had an impact, and it was definitely not what the Ravens wanted. So, Ravens Steelers. And when you take a look. Uh, at this Ravens team in the offseason they lost a lot of guys at linebacker not a lot of guys they lost CJ Mosley but they also lost Terrell Suggs they lost Eric Weddle and I know they're not just linebackers but they lost some guys on defense that would have helped in communication and I think the issue with the last year's defense was they weren't fast enough they couldn't play man coverage but they were great at communicating Lamar, uh, Eric Weddle would get, he would get the play call in from Wink Martindale and then he would adjust it to the personnel group he would adjust it to the situation. That's something the Ravens were not doing this year. So the Ravens, they signed two guys. They signed Fort, and they signed Josh Bynes. And Josh Bynes started. And Josh Bynes, I'm sorry, Tony Jefferson got the mic, I believe. They took it away from Peanut. They didn't want to give it to Earl Thomas. I believe Tony Jefferson got the mic. And... That was so he had the mic coming in, and right off the bat, I mean, they benched. I mean, they benched Kenny Young. He was not. He did not dress for the Steelers game in Heinz Field. Perfect day for AFC North football. It's like forty degrees, miserable gray skies, but it's like Raven Steelers. Who cares? Let's get at it. And I mean, Fort made a great tackle on the first play of the game to back the Steelers up and in, like inside their 15 on special teams. Ravens had really good uh, kickoff coverage against the Steelers. It was f- really phenomenal. I don't think they crossed the 20. Maybe one time on a bunch of kickoffs. And then the Ravens got a three and out. I think they drove down, got a field goal. And then here comes the other guy, Josh Bynes, who started. And if you saw the Steelers last uh, um, previous games, they've been running a lot of the Wildcat offense which is you sometimes will have your quarterback on the field, sometimes you'll have it to him on the bench, and you've got a skill position player take the snap. He has the option to throw it, he has the option to run it, he has the option to pitch it to someone else to run it, who has the option to throw it, and it's hard to defend. 
Uh, so, uh, Curtis Samuel takes a snap and the Wildcat. And Matthew Judon for, uh, gets some pressure on him. And Josh Bynes comes up with an interception. Ravens go put in that and into the end zone. They're up 10 nothing. They did it with running the football. Because that's the key, guys. I know there's all this talk. Oh, my goodness. Luke and Lamar, he threw so many touchdowns in, so far. He's looking like a great passer. Yeah, but your strength of the team is running the football, chewing clock, dominating time of possession. And I'll tell you what, the Ravens dominated time of possession against the Steelers. It was overtime. We'll talk more about that later. It was, oh my gosh, you should know this. 40-25 to 25 was time of possession, if I'm remembering correctly. About that. That's phenomenal. And yet it was a close game. So the Ravens, they stopped the run. But, and this, they let the Steelers get back in it against Mason Rolf. Ben Roethlisberger wasn't playing because he got injured. We talked about that in my previous podcast, which, by the way, everyone should be checking out all of my previous podcasts. And also, I'm broadcasting a lot of the games live, especially the Ravens games live on Sportscaster, sportscastr.com. Make sure you check out all my live videos there, uh, analysis, live games, a lot of great stuff. And also check out my blog, sportsblog.com, username yosefm613. It's my username for Sportscaster as well, and that's my handle for Twitter. So make sure you give me a follow on Twitter. I'm really trying to grow Twitter, and I, de- I really do need your help. So please, follow me on Twitter as well. And like I said, the Ravens weren't playing Ben Roethlisberger. They were playing a guy named Mason Rudolph. And Rudolph had really electrified the league in his couple, his first couple of appearances. And the Ravens kind of stopped him, kind of didn't. They kind of drove up the field, and the Ravens were able to get some stops. It was a close game at halftime. It was a very close game at halftime. And one of the reasons it was so close, like I said, the Ravens were up 10-0. What happened? Well, there's, I mean, there are a bunch of ways to kill a drive very fast. Turnovers will do it. And I'm going to rant about this later because I'm fed up with this. But they were interceptions by, thrown by Lamar Jackson. But they were interceptions thrown by Lamar Jackson that weren't Lamar Jackson's fault. One of them, which I'll talk about later, was completely his fault. The other two, I think there was pass interference on both plays. And I've got news for you, NFL. You made a rule change in the offseason. You made a rule change that says you review for pa- you can review for pass interference. So I don't know what you're telling me. There wasn't pass interference on both of the interceptions because it's ridiculous. There's 100% pass interference, and the officials are holding the flag. They're not willing, especially on replay, to call a pass interference that wasn't originally there. They're just not, they've just not been willing to do that this year. Very hesitant in New York. And that's one of the reasons Lamar Jackson had his worst, I want to say his worst statistical game as a starter. Definitely his worst game of the season. The other pick, well, the Ravens had the ball about, I don't know, minute 40 to go. And the Ravens just had a... I've talked a little bit about how I don't like how the Ravens have done the personnel things. How I don't like that they're not running the football. This is called bad coaching, though. You have a two-minute drive in the Ravens. This was so infuriating with Joe Flacco. 
he would be he'd have a lazy late game drive. No, you you need urgency. You need to get up on the ball. You need to make plays happen. You don't have these times to dunk, dink and dunk. You don't have this time to walk to the line of scrimmage. Get your team up there. That was infuriating with Joe Flacco. And we saw that. With I'm not saying this is Lamar Jackson's fault. I don't know, but I do know this: the Ravens they didn't show any senses of aggression. Either run the ball, which you're running the ball. I mean, actually, the running they didn't couldn't run the football. Average like three yards a carry. Nothing was happening. Steelers did a great job of shutting down the Ravens' run. So I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, the TV doesn't show that much. It doesn't. I couldn't tell if it was covered two, but I'm pretty sure it was covered two throughout the game. For the most part. So I know those deep shots aren't there, but try some deep shots. Try working the middle of the field. Try getting Lamar outside in space, getting him in place. Roll Lamar out. Give him easy throws. Get out of bounds. Keep it moving. No, instead we're gonna we're gonna be indecisive. We're gonna make Lamar throw an out pattern to the outside, which Lamar's not good at throwing to the outside. And they wanted him to throw there, and it was intercepted. It was a horrific throw. Lamar didn't really have any touch on that throw. That that interception was his fault. But the other two, I don't feel like were his fault. I feel like that's kind of just the officials gotta step up and actually. Make plays, but talking about getting Lamar outside and in space, Lamar has done a really, really good job. And if you've been listening to my podcast and my videos, and I've wrote about it on my blog, Lamar Jackson, I was worried about the fact that he wasn't that he was sometimes going out of bounds. He was not sliding at all. I mean, and it was, in my opinion, a real concern because you need to protect your quarterback, especially a mobile quarterback. He needs to slide. Lamar Jackson's been sliding in 2019. He's been giving himself up. He's been choosing to run out of bounds. And a lot of it's been designed runs to get him out of bounds. A lot of it's been, though, Lamar Jackson saying, I'm going to slide here. I'm not going to push to get an extra yard. And that's a real maturity that the Ravens needed from Lamar Jackson this year. And it's really good to see that coming. So it was a close game. And... Then there were injuries, and I want to talk, I'm going to talk about injuries after. I'll just take you through the rest of the game. So, Steelers up. Ravens came down. They tied it. Like I said, Lamar Jackson plays close football. He keeps it close. Interesting move then by the Steelers. Overtime. They won the toss. Which, by the way, I I mean, the Ravens won the toss. Justin Tucker made the right call in the first half. He called tails. He called tails again, and I know. And I know this is dumb to say, but I would have called heads. I would have, I would have gone with the other thing. And I know there's, I know like statistically nothing. I mean, the chances are the same. You have a one and two chance. But like, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not. I am not going to be the guy who second guesses the coin toss. I'll second guess a lot. But there's some that's just like whatever. But the Steelers chose direction. Heinz Field, windy, moist day. They chose direction, and this was a Ravens offense that had really struggled for a while. So it looked like a good decision by Mike Tomlin after the Ravens went 3-0. And, and the game was up to their defense. And all of a sudden, this third-string quarterback named Devlin Hodges, and I'll talk about him, he started moving the football. And he was moving the football. He went like he went like 6-for-8, I think, in the game. He, like, he, he did a good job overall. And got like 18 fantasy points. He, he did well. So he comes out, and he leads his team. Then throws a crossing route to Juju Smith-Schuster, who Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry, 
who Marlon Humphrey had missed a tackle on once, but other than that, he, he was really held in check, and the Steelers weren't taking deep shots with Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges. I mean, there were a couple of them with one-on-ones, and by the way, I'm seriously starting to doubt the fact that Earl Thomas can play the deep ball. I'm not sure he's got the speed to get on it, and I just, I don't see him on the deep balls, and I know against the Chiefs, he said that he wasn't, he didn't want to blow hamstring, which I get, which I get, but he's just not playing the deep ball, which is an issue the Ravens had with Earl Thomas, um, Eric Weddle, which comes down to the fact you're going for a veteran back there, not a young guy coming out of college, second, third year guy, which are a very, which is a very precious commodity in the NFL, and I get that, and it, and it's a tough balance. We'll see what the Ravens choose to do there. I don't think they're going to move on. I, I mean, I think Earl Thomas is going to stay, and I'm happy that the Ravens got him, but I do wish we could have a safety who could cover the deep ball. I mean, Earl Thomas is a great ball hawk, but he's lost a little bit of that step. But, so like I say, throws a crosser to Juju Smith-Schuster. And I talked about the fact that Marlon Humphrey missed a tackle on Juju earlier in the game, which Juju scored on. Well, it, he the tackle was missed because Marlon Humphrey went for the strip. Well, Marlon went for the strip again, and he knocked it out. Ball laid on the ground for a while, and it was picked up. But Marlon Humphrey recovered it, was tackled. Ravens got like 10, 12 yards, kicked a field goal, won the game. After the game, actually, uh, Justin Tucker revealed something which no one ever knew before. The Ravens, I mean, a lot of people know, if you've been to training camp, they have three fields. Well, Justin Tucker revealed they had a fourth field, a field which they only used to practice for Heinz Field, where it's just a really rough, choppy field. They make, um, they practice kicking their Heinz Field, and it helps them. Ravens have made like 21 straight attempts at Heinz Field, which is mind-blowing because it is really hard to kick there. And remember, the Ravens were going towards the open end zone to kick the game-tying field goal and the game-winner because the Steelers chose direction in overtime and the Ravens won the toss, chose ball, uh, chose to defer the first half and the Steelers got to choose direction there, which you choose for the first and fourth quarter, in my opinion, if you have to choose direction. So, that's what happened. I think it's first and fourth quarter, isn't it? I feel like it is. But I, I feel like I could totally be wrong on this, but that's what I believe. I think so. But yeah, so the Ravens got a game winner. Justin Tucker got another um, got, a, got another notch on his belt. And Marlon Humphrey, though, he got to make that big play in this rivalry, which has made heroes and has made enemies. It really has. But like I said, I, I want to talk about... I, I was skipping over the injuries. Let me just give you a list. And this is a short list. There are other ones. Mark Barron, Tony Jefferson, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, Mason Rudolph, the hearts of the Steelers fans. All right, that, um, that one's a little harder to judge. But Hollywood Brown made a phenomenal catch for a touchdown. He went really high up and landed... And landed pretty hard, and then he was kind of came back in, still out, uh, didn't practice Wednesday, Wednesday, October 9th, in preparation for the Bengals game. Mark Andrews, he'd been dealing with a foot injury. Well, he's also got a shoulder injury from that game. And the AFC North, I forget who called it, it's a black and blue division, and we got to see that. It's a very, very physical game. And, well, I mean, the Ravens are playing, they're going to be playing their third straight AFC North opponent this week against the Bengals. Talk more about that later. But then to- Tony Jefferson tore his ACL. But before that, Mason Rudolph, a very scary play. 
He was he was buying time, rolling out, made a good throw downfield to well, I don't know, maybe I feel like I don't know. It's one of the wide receivers caught it, got a nice gain. He was knocked unconscious on his feet by a combination of Brandon Carr and Earl Thomas. And while I expect Earl Thomas to get fined for it, I just want to say right now, it was not on purpose. He was a very, Earl Thomas was emotional after the game saying, like, it wasn't his fault. It was, like, it happened, but it wasn't his fault. And I'm, I was in the same position a couple of years ago, and Ravens fans can understand this with Kiko Alonso. Joe Flacco had a bad slide there. Maybe you can say Alonso led with his helmet there. Well, Earl Thomas didn't lead with his helmet. It was a very clean hit. Happens to be Earl Thomas is shorter than Mason Rudolph, and he hit him on the jaw, and Mason Rudolph just spun out of it the wrong way and all went nuts. He was knocked unconscious on his feet. I was actually broadcasting live on Sportscaster. There was the scariest thing I've ever broadcasted. Because TV and radio can cut to commercials. I don't have that luxury. By the way, if you're um, interested in sponsoring my podcast and my videos, please contact me. And so it was really scary. And then they bring the medical card out onto the field. A little awkward. It kind of breaks down on the field. So Mason Rudolph gets up and couldn't really walk, could barely talk. Is kind of forced to walk to the locker room. And kind of being, not even really walking. was kind of being carried. And I don't really get it. You've got like other stretcher boards there. Which they could have carried him on. And they weren't. And... Awkwardly enough, when Tony Jefferson tore ACL later on in the game, they had a second medical cart, which they bought out for Tony Jefferson. This is in Heinz Field. You bring out a second medical cart for someone who, who... Tony Jefferson could not have walked. That's definite. Mason Rudolph should not have walked either, though. He wasn't really walking, but Tony Jefferson tore ACL+. Plus. I don't don't didn't see the latest medical report, but it's at least an ACL from what John Harbaugh said after the game. He's out for the season, maybe into next year. And the Ravens, I mean, I'm sorry, you've got a Heinz Field, you're on enemy turf, and yeah, yeah, oh wait, we have a second medical card? Yeah, let's go treat the enemy's player. I was like, and it was just very sad by the Steelers. And there's an investigation pending, I believe, right now. I believe the NFL issued a statement saying, yeah, Mason Rudolph is capable of walking right now. No, he's not. He is not capable of walking. He should not have walked off the field. You should have carried him on a stretcher. You should have got the other cart. And maybe they didn't know about the other cart. I don't know what it was. But I know it was unacceptable. And I also know Mason Rudolph didn't go straight to the hospital. They, they kept him there for a while. Incompetency by the NFL. And that's something the NFL's got to look into. They've got to look into the fact about how they handle their injuries. And I could go into countless examples so I don't, how I feel they're not, there's all this player safety. And I'm going to go into an example right now. Brashad Perriman had a concussion. A Raven, a media, media member talked him into the locker room. Ravens made him delete it because he had a concussion. Yet, the Ravens let Brashad Perriman blare music in the locker room, in his ears. Like, it's a double standard. It is, and they're. De- I don't feel that they're taking care of their players enough. And I know there's this whole CBA that they're talking about, and the, I feel player safety's got to be more of an issue. The NFL, the way they handle their emergencies, something's not right. Something is just not right about the way they handle their emergency situations, their injury situations. Something has to be changed. I don't know what. I'm not going to pretend to know what. But something's got to be changed. 
And I'll tell you what also has to be changed, and this is something which I alluded to in the beginning. The NFL officiating, it is horrific. Are you kidding me? I mean, and this could be one of the worst crews that we got we saw, Raven Steelers. It was a team it was a crew coming in called fourth most penalties. And there were twenty two accepted penalties. And I talked about that they weren't making the right calls on the not pass pass interference. Um uh, yeah, on the pass interference on the interceptions. I didn't feel they made made the right calls there. A lot of people didn't feel so. And I'm not going to go out and say, oh, this is bogus. They're going for one team only. No. They were equally bad. They weren't just equally bad. They were equally equally horrific. On the big play of the Ravens, I mean, Ravens got a huge call when they called a roughing the passer on a very a textbook tackle on the Steelers. And the Ravens got a break there. Steelers got a break with those no-calls passing interferences. And it got to a point where the day-winning field goal by Tucker... When I was broadcasting it, I was very hesitant to say it was a win. I wasn't sure they would call it. The officiating had been so bad the whole game. I thought they'd call it a miss, and it was close. But I thought it was good. And I just, I wasn't willing to call it a win yet. And, like, I want to make sure they were going to, they weren't going to review it and say it wasn't good. It was horrific. The refs are... Impacting every single game with bad calls. Every single game, there's a t- fans, media, coaches aren't allowed to say this. Players aren't allowed to say this. But they go back and say, yeah, the NFL, the referees messed us up. We got to see that first hand, hand on the no-call pass interference and helmet-to-helmet contact on Nicole Robbie Coleman. That kept the Saints from the Super Bowl. We got to see that. We got to see that game in and game out every week. It's slowing the pace of the game down. It's ruining the NFL experience for fans. It's just not fun. And if they were legit penalties, that's one thing. But half of them are bogus penalties, and some of another quarter of them. And I don't remember who the penalty was on, but there was a play down the right sideline. And they called a penalty on a holding play, something completely unrelated, on the left sideline. Had nothing to do with the play. The NFL, and I get it when you throw the flag, you don't know if it has to do with the play or not. And I get that. I do. But the NFL and the officiating crews are horrific. They can't, they're just not making the correct calls. They're ruining the experiences. And despite delaying the game an hour, it's not an hour, it's what, 20 minutes? But despite that, they still get it wrong. 95% 95% of the time. How many people, when it goes to replay, sit back and relax when it's clear, kind of like, yeah, they're for sure going to change this? No. Gene Steratore, the, uh, the CBS rules analyst, former NFL referee, he's done a bunch of Super Bowls. He does security with like every call the officials made. I don't know what they're seeing in New York. And actually, I do know. I saw a video about this. They're seeing the exact same things that we're seeing on TV. I think they can zoom in a little bit. They can control what they choose to see. But they only have the same angles we get to see on TV. And they still find a way to get it wrong. I don't know what... I mean, I know in baseball they actually have different angles. They are looking at different stuff than what they show on the scoreboards and on TV sometimes. But MLB... I'm sorry, NFL, no. 
we're seeing the exact same stuff and maybe it's not conclusive enough. Maybe they're just not willing to change something. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're people are throwing the flag too much. Maybe it comes down to the fact that maybe it's all this talk about protecting the players. Maybe you should work more. You should work more on your injury protocol and a little less on how fast you can throw a flag out, because it's getting to be ridiculous. It really is, and I'm not happy with it. And I know I'm not alone out there. And this is something that and the NFL and the NFL Referees Association just signed a contract renewal. Something's got to change. I don't have answers for you. And I was brainstorming this. What do you do? More officials? Does that mean more flags? They're not willing to call it back on and, and, and replay New York. Maybe you've got to have an overall there, overhaul there. Maybe you want to have a tracker on the football. But how does that help? I, I don't know. I mean, that'll help for field goals. Take away the NFL deciding that. You can, I mean, but I don't know. Because a lot of the spots, a lot of the tough calls are judgment. And it's a judgment game. But as a fan, as a player, as a coach, it's really disheartening. And it just ruins the faith in the game and the integrity of the game to have these kind of penalties. To not be able to trust the referees to get it right. When I play a pickup game in school, I might not agree with the calls. I might not say, like, come on, like maybe I'll argue for a call from the refs. But in general, they're going to, they don't throw that many flags in our pickup fo football games. But in the NFL, you're seeing it both ways. Some crews are doing both, some crews aren't doing it. They're not letting them go either way. They're not willing to change their mind. If we ever, when the sometimes the referees will get together and they'll change their mind about the play. They're willing to take input. They're like, that's not something I'm seeing with the NFL. The NFL isn't willing to admit they were wrong. I mean, almost nobody's willing to admit they're wrong. That they're wrong, but they won't admit. I mean, like they're just not able to do it, especially on replays. And I know that they're not allowed to. And actually, I was trying to get an NFL official to come on my podcast and look like I was going to. And then I had phone malfunction. Then I wasn't able to get his phone number. Long story. But he's like, I can't talk about any of the calls that I make. And I was like, that's fine. I, it's not really what I'm interested in talking about. I want to talk about it's like just like how you prep for certain games. What games you prefer to do. What games you don't. There's certain teams like, just curious. So honestly, it would have been a learning experience as much for me as it would have been for you, the listener. It was, that would have just been fascinating. But the refs are a real issue in the NFL. And they're getting worse, in my opinion. They're getting worse. Especially, as we're able to see on TV, why? How are they getting it worse? And yet, when they take a look at the replay, they can't get it right? I don't get it. I just don't. It's not easy to fix. Like I said, I don't have solutions. But I see problems. And I know that and something's got to change. Right, let's take a look at the AFC North right now. The Ravens, like I said, they're on top of the of the AFC North 3-2. and two. Browns are 2-3. and three. Steelers are 1-4. Bengals are on 5. Browns are playing really bad football. They got destroyed by the 49ers on Monday Night Football. Just embarrassing. They've just not played good football this year. And 
That's going to continue to haunt them. I mean, there's all this Baker mania. Oh, let's go, Baker Mayfield, Super Bowl MVP. you got to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Why don't you wait to, to, to learn and deserve it first, to earn it? And Jerry Sandusky, when he came on Sports with Yosef, said it right. Someone's going to beat the Browns. Is it going to be the Browns or is it going to be another team? You can be hyped, but it's easy to win when you're 4 and 12, 4 and 11, 4 and 9. When your 7 and 5 playoffs are on the line, when all the hype's about you, it's a very different story. And we're seeing that from the Browns this year. And the Ravens are, though, playing the Bengals. In the, and AJ Green's now playing. And if I'm remembering correctly, and if stuff hasn't changed, John Ross isn't playing. That's Those are two huge inactives for the Bengals. The Ravens are going to be probably without either Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown still dealing with injuries. Pinano Wasu didn't practice Wednesday. We'll see how that works out. But this is a Ravens-Bengals team that... I mean, I'm sorry, this is a Ravens-Bengals matchup where th these two teams, they always play pretty close games. Remember Lamar Jackson's first start, his first win was against the Bengals last year. Third straight week they've played the AFC North. Third home game of the season. And it's a new coach for the Bengals. Zach Taylor came from the Rams. And this is a, a, Bang a Bengals team that's played, has some good games and had some bad games. They played really well against the Seahawks. And they've had some good, like, then they've had some bad moments. They've had some good moments. And it's not going to be easy for the Ravens to get a W. Not at all. And for the Ravens to get a W, they need to communicate better. We'll see who's going to get the mic without Tony Jefferson. Maybe Josh Bynes. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. They need to get the ball to the wide receivers. They need to run the ball. They need to execute. They need to win their one-on-one -on -one matchups. And they need Lamar Jackson to be crisp. He's, he was really crisp week one. We've not seen that level of crispness since. And the Ravens got the Bengals here. Then they've got the Seahawks. And I want to get a guess from my podcast D during the bye. I don't know if it's a little late to schedule that. We'll see. I'd like to. I don't know. Then the Ravens got the Patriots. It's not easy for the Ravens here. But it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to clinch their destiny. It's an opportunity to, to say who they want to be in the AFC North. And I'm actually looking right now at the time that I've recorded for, and I am flabbergasted. Wow. I don't know where it's going to be when I cut through some of the edits and added music and stuff like that, but wow. Kind of proud of myself for 40 minutes. Okay. Pretty good. And the Ravens, they, they need to really just have time of possession, make their plays, execute, and play Ravens football fast, physical, and to the point. And if they do that, they've got a pretty good chance of winning on Sunday. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this edition of Sports with Yosef a lot longer than I thought. I thought maybe 20, 25 minutes I was going to go on a rant about the referees, but wow. A lot longer than I expected, but thanks for staying with it the whole time. I'm Yosef Masiner. I'll see you next time.